Book Three, Chapter Three of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. Amelia by Henry Fielding. In which Mr. Booth sets forward on his journey. Well, madam, we have now taken our leave of Amelia. I rode a full mile before I once suffered myself to look back, but now, being come to the top of a little hill, the last spot I knew which could give me a prospect of Mrs. Harris's house, my resolution failed. I stopped and cast my eyes backward. Shall I tell you what I felt at that instant? I do assure you I'm not able. So many tender ideas crowded at once into my mind that, if I may use the expression, they almost dissolved my heart. And now, madam, the most unfortunate accident came first into my head. This was that I had, in the hurry and confusion, left the dear casket behind me. The thought of going back at first suggested itself, but the consequences of that were too apparent. I therefore resolved to send my man, and in the meantime to ride on softly on my road. He immediately executed my orders, and after some time, feeding my eyes with that delicious and yet heartfelt prospect, I at last turned my horse to descend the hill, and proceeded about a hundred yards, when, considering with myself that I should lose no time by a second indulgence, I again turned back and once more feasted my sight with the same painful pleasure till my man returned, bringing me the casket and an account that Amelia still continued in the sweet sleep I left her. I now suddenly turned my horse for the last time and with the utmost resolution pursued my journey. I perceived my man at his return but before I mention anything of him, it may be proper, madam, to acquaint you who he was. He was the foster-brother of my Amelia. This young fellow had taken it into his head to go into the army, and he was desirous to serve under my command. The doctor consented to discharge him. His mother at last yielded to his importunities, and I was very easily prevailed on to list one of the handsomest young fellows in England. You will easily believe I had some little partiality to one whose milk Amelia had sucked, but, as he had never seen the regiment, I had no opportunity to show him any great mark of favor. Indeed, he waited on me as my servant, and I treated him with all the tenderness which can be used to one in that station. When I was about to change into the horse guards, the poor fellow began to droop, fearing that he should no longer be in the same corps with me, though certainly that would not have been the case. However, he had never mentioned one word of his dissatisfaction. He is indeed a fellow of a noble spirit. But when he heard that I was to remain where I was, and that we were to go to Gibraltar together, he fell into transports of joy 
little short of madness. In short, the poor fellow had imbibed a very strong affection for me, though this was what I knew nothing of till long after. When he returned to me then, as I was saying with the casket, I observed his eyes all over blubbered with tears. I rebuked him a little too rashly on this occasion. Hey day, says I, what is the meaning of this? I hope I have not a milksop with me. If I thought you would show such a face to the enemy, I would leave you behind. Your honor need not fear that, answered he. I shall find nobody there that I shall love well enough to make me cry. I was highly pleased with this answer, in which I thought I could discover both sense and spirit. I then asked him what had occasioned those tears since he had left me, for he had no sign of any at that time, and whether he had seen his mother at Mrs. Harris's. He answered in the negative, and begged that I would ask him no more questions, adding that he was not very apt to cry, and he hoped he should never give me such another opportunity of blaming him. I mentioned this only as an instance of his affection towards me, for I never could account for those tears any otherwise than by placing them to the account of that distress in which he left me at that time. We travelled full forty miles that day without baiting, when, arriving at the inn where I intended to rest that night, I retired immediately to my chamber with my dear Amelia's casket the opportunity of which was the nicest repast, and to which every other hunger gave way. It is impossible to mention to you all the little matters with which Amelia had furnished this casket. It contained medicines of all sorts, which her mother, who was the Lady Bountiful of that country, had supplied her with. The most valuable of all to me was a lock of her dear hair, which I have from that time to this worn in my bosom. What would I have then given for a little picture of my dear angel, which she had lost from her chamber about a month before, and which we had the highest reason in the world to imagine her sister had taken away, for the suspicion lay only between her and Amelia's maid, who was of all creatures the honestest, and whom her mistress had often trusted with things of much greater value. For the picture, which was set in gold, and had two or three little diamonds round it, was worth about twelve guineas only, whereas Amelia left jewels in her care of much greater value. Sure, cries Miss Matthews, she could not be such a paltry pilferer, not on account of the gold or the jewels, cries Booth. We imputed it to mere spite, with which, I assure you, she abounds. And she knew that next to Amelia herself there was nothing which I valued so much as this little picture. For such a resemblance did it bear of the original that Hogarth himself did never, I believe, draw a stronger likeness. Spite, therefore, was the only motive to this cruel depredation, and, indeed, her behavior on the occasion sufficiently convinced us both of the justice of our suspicion. 
though we neither of us durst accuse her, and she herself had the assurance to insist very strongly, though she could not prevail, with Amelia to turn away her innocent maid, saying she would not live in the house with a thief. Miss Matthews now discharged some curses on Miss Betty, not much worth repeating, and then Mr. Booth proceeded in his relation. End of section 22 Reading by Malone